0: This is Liz Scafidi at UN News. As if there weren't enough problems to worry about down here on Earth, there is a growing number of threats to global peace in outer space, too, which is why UN-led talks are underway all this week in Geneva to find common ground on cosmic security. Chairing the first open-ended working group on reducing space threats Veteran Chilean diplomat Helmut Lagos explained to UN News' Daniel Johnson why space matters to us all and what member states are most concerned about. The main mission of this open-ended working group in its first session this week is to try to start to find a common ground, a common understanding about how to identify our main threats to space security and how to make recommendations on norms, rules and principles to improve space security by addressing the responsible behavior of states that can provoke threats and risks to this security for all nations.
1: So you talk about risks in outer space, and most people probably know about anti-satellite busting technology, which has been deployed in the recent past, certainly. And also the dangers created by the fragments, the millions of fragments that must be orbiting around Earth, which are a danger to those in the space station, for example. I mean, space security affects us all, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It affects not only the space-faring nations, but also the emerging space-faring nations and all the rest of the world, even those that are not aware of it. Because our daily lives, the most basic things that we do in life, in modern life, they are dependent on these technologies and services that come from space. GPS and the like? Exactly. GPS, critical infrastructure, energy, everything. Everything is controlled by space technologies.
1: So it's very precious to everybody on Earth. You have lots of member states here. What's the representation, please? And maybe the civil society, too, because that's equally important this week.
0: Absolutely. We have representations from all regions of the world. Everybody is becoming increasingly aware of the importance of this issue. And in order to be able to have a success, We need to be inclusive and we need to engage all representations. And as you just mentioned, civil society is extremely important. Not only because there are increasing number of non-state actors in space, but also because their participation in these multilateral processes, they give an additional layer of legitimacy to the results, to the outcome of the process.
1: We're three days into the talks now, this open-ended working group. You're going to have another three discussions, the next one will be in September. You aim to come up with a consensus document at the end of this week to take to the next set of discussions. But outside the United Nations here in Geneva, we have conflict, we have war in Ukraine as well. How has that impacted on the general feel and the tenor of the discussions happening today? For
0: those of us who have been doing multilateral diplomacy, particularly regarding international security, we are used to work in a very adverse international context. The conditions are never the best. It is obvious that the geopolitical context now is really concerning and it it has an impact on all the discussions and all the processes all over the world. That does not exclude us, but that said, We are trying to have a positive momentum in this process, at least to try to make progress because it is in everybody's interest. And so far, we have achieved that. We see that there is a big engagement and interest in moving this forward. And I am confident that we will keep up that good spirit so that we can finally have that outcome that we all are working for, that consensus outcome at the end.
1: So the P5 are here in the room? They are all here. Great. And let's move on to the, the existing space treaty that exists. Yes. What's wrong with it? I mean, it's, okay, it's 50 years old, but it covers what happens in space. What are you trying to do to it? Why do you need to improve it?
0: There is nothing wrong with it. The problem is that it was negotiated uh, 55 years ago. And so we need to update it. It doesn't have a review mechanism, as we see with other important treaties. So to answer your question, that treaty is actually the cornerstone of the international space regime. That is still true. But at the same time, we need to see what other norms, principles and rules can be negotiated to fill the legal gaps that are there considering how the space environment has evolved in the last couple of decades dramatically.
1: So the Outer Space Treaty prohibits the use of nuclear weapons in space, but it doesn't necessarily cover new technologies. That's one of the things you're trying to cover.
0: Absolutely, because in in 1967 nobody envisaged the development of other technologies and other types of weapons and systems that could be used in space. That's the reason why the only weapons that are specifically prohibited in that treaty are nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction.
1: So what sort of force do you have to bring about the change that you need to update this treaty because you can't enforce anything in outer space? So who's going to lead this change?
0: Well, there have been in the last couple of decades many initiatives to develop new norms. The approach has not been satisfactory in its result because the nature of the mandate of the work that these other initiatives were leading was, in my opinion, too specific. This new process, which comes as a result of a resolution of the United Nations General Assembly, allows for different types of outcomes, which means that different views and different ideas from delegations can be put together in one document of recommendations and maybe that can in the future be turned into legally binding instruments that addresses the different threat perceptions that still exist. And they are very different because you mentioned anti-satellite systems as one of them. But that's not the only one. There are other states that are very worried about the possible placement of weapons in outer space. But all of this comes together in the shared concern about the prevention of an arms race in outer space. So to put that all together in one document that could potentially be turned into a legally binding instrument, that would be the ideal result that many delegations
1: are looking for. So what's the sort of end date that we're looking at for a potentially binding legal treaty to come out of these open-ended discussions?
0: We, We cannot now say how long it will take and we cannot even say whether the result will be immediately a legally binding treaty, but maybe. It can be the development of voluntary norms, political measures, soft law initiatives and all of them considering it as a gradual process that will build up for that legally binding treaty in the future. But I cannot now say how many years. I mean, that's not how diplomacy works, unfortunately.
1: Right. And final question to you, Ambassador. You're from Chile. You're leading the discussions here. What does Chile what does Chile bring to the discussions? What does Chile want from the discussions?
0: Well, Chile is a state that has always tried to work for the strengthening of the international legal regime through the collaboration and all the tools that multilateral diplomacy give us. And at the same time, we are an example of a state, a, a nation that is not spacefaring, but we are equally interested in this because we all depend on, on these technologies. It shows you that this should not be an exclusive, a little limited discussion among some nations that have these capabilities, but actually it should involve all of the states. And we are trying to make a modest contribution to this goal, which is a a global goal. It is for the well-being of everybody and for the preservation of peace.